As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Supernaturally Paid podcast where all faith-based entrepreneurs come to get everything that they need about how to thrive in business, how to not worry about money, and how to trust God more than they trust their bank account. I am your host, Raven Hoquette. Let's get into the episode. Hey, you guys, it's Raven Hoquette, and I am back here with another very powerful episode of the Supernaturally Paid podcast. Now, I just want to ask y'all, where are the babies? Bring the babies, because in this episode, we're going to be talking all about how to raise supernaturally rich children. So y'all, I'm excited. Get the notepads out. Get ready to write down the gems that's going to be dropped in this episode. It's probably going to be a quick episode But when I tell y'all it is going to be powerful, it is going to give you so much information about how to really honor the scripture in Proverbs 13, 22, where it says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So I'm just thankful y'all to be in a position to share this information because I didn't grow up and have an inheritance. I'm gonna just keep it real, you know. I didn't grow up having funds set aside, you know, to pay for my college. I didn't grow up having funds set aside, you know, to pay for my first car. I didn't grow up having, you know, funds set aside to pay for me to be able to explore and travel the world. And y'all know, like people, you know, I know most of the people that are listening to this podcast probably look like me a little bit, but people who, you know, don't look like us. They be having it, you know, laid out for their kids. I will never forget when I was in college, I want to say it was like my junior year in college. And that year I had an internship position at my mother's job. And so I had the internship position. And I remember one of my mother's coworkers, her son was graduating from college. So of course, you know, since my mother had a child that was going to be graduating basically within the next year, she was like, hey, like what's going on with your son? Like, what is he going to be doing like after college? And the mother says like, 
oh, he's just going to cash out his fund. He has about $250,000 and he's going to travel the world and find himself. What? First of all, where did he get $250,000 from? Because my mother is like, well, you work here with me. You know, we make about the same salary. So where did he get $250,000 from, first of all? And second of all, find himself. Whoever knew that you could literally make a career or start launch a career and launch it with finding yourself. You know, most of the people that grow up in our community, we don't have time to find ourselves. We don't have money to find ourselves. And that's why a lot of us fall into anxiety. A lot of us fall into depression. A lot of us fall into just a lot of sadness because we're literally in the workforce. Like think about how it's called the workforce. It's literally called the workforce because we are forced to work. We don't have any other options. We are forced to go into careers that we don't want to do. A lot of times we're forced to major into something that we don't want to major in only because this one looks like it's going to make more money. We're forced to do things. We're forced to be pulled away from walking into our God-given calling because people have told us for years that nursing makes more money, doctors make more money, lawyers is a more so guaranteed thing. I remember when I was in high school and people were trying to pressure me into majoring in nursing. And I was like, you know, I like people. I like to take care of people, but I just wasn't sure that I wanted to be in a hospital. I wasn't sure that I wanted to be in a clinic. I wasn't sure that, you know, I wanted to work in that type of environment. And so when I looked into the role of a nurse and what a nurse does, I was like, "Mm, this is nice. You know, this is beautiful, but I don't think this is my thing. I don't think that this is really something, you know, that is for me. And so I ended up majoring in mass communications and I quickly learned as a mass communications major that. Basically, you have to be very entrepreneurial. You have to find your own opportunities. You got to get to know people. You know, you got to be at the events. Like you got to put yourself in rooms and really get to know people. But guess what? When I graduated from college, I couldn't afford to be in those rooms. I couldn't afford to move to New York. I couldn't afford to move to LA where all the big networks are. I couldn't afford to move to these places that would provide me with the resources and the networks and the rooms that I needed to really be in the broadcast journalism world. And so I had to settle. I ended up working for a nonprofit in Baltimore, which is where I'm from. So working for a nonprofit that was in the housing industry. And, you know, I'm going to just say this, like, I love that God doesn't make no mistakes because y'all know I'm like really heavily into finances and real estate and things like that. And God really planted that seed in me initially by being at my nine to five, which was in the housing industry, right? I was a marketing coordinator inside of that nonprofit agency. And so it really blessed me when I look back on it. But when I was in school, that was not at all what I saw for my life. That was not at all what I had planned on doing, but I really didn't have the funds to pursue what I thought at that time was absolutely my dream. So we're going to talk about how to raise supernaturally paid children, y'all, because we don't want our children to be victims of the same thing that we've been victims of where we get out of college and we have more debt than assets, or we're literally turning our 18th birthday and signing the dotted line on loans with a crazy interest rate that we're going to be paying back for the rest of our lives. So I'm excited because like I said, this 
episode is really going to help us with how to honor Proverbs 13, 22, where it talks about a good man leaving an inheritance to his children's children. So at the time of this podcast, my son is two years old. So he is a toddler. This is me and my husband's right now, our only child. So, you know, he kind of gets like the best of everything. He's not spoiled, but he gets a lot of, you know, what he wants. Basically, we're in a very blessed position, right? But we don't want to have the child that is just walking around, you know, in the latest Jordans, walking around with the Burberry shirt on at his birthday party and, you know, having these birthday parties that cost thousands of dollars, but he doesn't have any investments and we're not really building wealth, you know, for his future, basically, because, you know, he's two and he's all like cute and into dinosaurs and all the toys and things like that now, but he's going to eventually grow up and he's going to be an adult. And, you know, if we don't set our children up properly, they grow up and they become adults to have their hands out because we haven't set anything up properly in place for them and for their finances, right? So I'm going to break down in this episode every single account that we have for our son and the accounts that are pending because I want you guys to implement these same exact things for your children. So number one, our son has a, some people call it UTMA, some people say UTMA account. I believe that it stands for like something like United Transfer to Minors Act or, you know, something like that. But what I love about his UTMA account is that he can literally utilize his UTMA account for anything that he wants to when he turns 21. Now, when the kids can cash out their UPMA account really depends on the state that you're in. We live in the state of Texas. Some states is 18. So it really just depends on the state that you live in. That's something that you can look up. You can talk to, you know, your bank about that and just see what the rules are for your specific state. But he has an UPMA account. So in his UPMA account, we transfer money over every month to his UPMA account. Now, here's the thing. You cannot just transfer the money over and then just think, oh, let me go look and check on his investments and see how they're growing. You have to actually go in the account and get stocks and, you know, do things like that. So with our son's UPMA account, because he's not going to be cashing it out for about another 19 years, we are more focused on long-term assets for that account. So we're focusing on stocks that we know are like, major, major growth stocks. So my son owns some Shopify. We do a lot of ETFs in his account. He owns some Apple in his UPMA account. We're going to be getting him some Amazon now that the Amazon stock has split. So we're really excited about that. We're going to be buying him some more Tesla for his account. He has another ETF. We're going to be buying him some Facebook. Like we're going to be buying him a whole, whole lot of growth stocks for his account. So I'm really just excited about the way that that account is going to grow over time. So I have my little compound interest calculator pulled up on my notes because I want to really give you guys a real-time example of what can happen for your children, even if you are not investing a lot of money into their UPMA account. I also want y'all to just take heed that these accounts do have like rules and things like that because there are like tax incentives like to investing in these accounts. But if you're looking at investing over like a certain amount, you might be hit with like a gift tax. 
So just make sure I need to just put that disclaimer out there. Just make sure that you're speaking to your accountant about the best situation for your family because you don't want to be investing, you know, $50,000 a year into this account and then you're hit with like a crazy, you know, gift tax or something like that on your taxes because you're putting so much into that. So just make sure that you're talking to your accountant and your financial people about what's the best for you and your family. So I'm going to give y'all an example So let's say that you open your child up an UPMA account and you start off the account and the initial investment is $500. And then let's say after the $500 initial investment that maybe you're going to be putting, I would say, you know, a modest $100 monthly contribution, right? That's only $25 a week. So that's not a lot of money. So you're going to be putting a modest $100 monthly contribution. And then my son is two years old. So I just said 19 years for the length of time because he has 19 years left until he turns 21 and can cash it out. So let's say that the interest rate, which is going to be compounded annually, is roughly going to be like about 8%. When I said 8%, I was being like really, really like modest. Ideally, we want it to be more of like higher than like a 10%, but let's just say like it goes to like 8% right on the different stocks. So when you calculate that over the course of those 19 years, that means that you've only contributed $23,000 total to the account. But with the compound interest, Your child now has $51,893.37. That's literally $28,000 of free money that you didn't have to put in there, that they didn't have to do. That is a nice compound. Imagine being 21 years old or 18 years old, if that's when you can cash it out in your state, and your parents can give you a gift of $50,000 for you to go towards buying your first rental property, for you to go towards investing in your first business and getting some inventory, to put towards your college, to put towards a dream vacation, whatever it is that you want to do. Imagine having the opportunity to be able to do that, y'all. And that's only if you're putting a little measly $25 a week into those accounts. Imagine what it would be If you're putting more money, let's do the calculation. If you're putting $250 a month into their account, like I'm telling y'all, like compound interest is your kids' friends because they are so young. If you're putting $250 a month, that means that over the course of 21 years, you've contributed $57,500. By the time it compounds, when they're 21 years old, they're going to have $126,496.64. That's enough to buy a house outright in some cities. That's enough to do whatever they want to do. And what I love about an UPMA account is that unlike the next account that we're getting ready to talk about, they don't have to use it for one specific thing. Oh, and did I mention that this is tax-free? I need to very much mention that this is something that is tax-free. This episode is brought to you by the God Pays Me Masterclass. Y'all, this masterclass is everything that faith-based entrepreneurs need that have been struggling with worrying about money and overcoming the spirit of poverty. All you have to do is go to the show notes and hit that link and download it and it will be sent to you instantly. So make sure that you set your kids up. It is so easy to start an UPMA account I do teach in my Supernaturally Paid course 
just the step-by-step process to starting an Upma account and based on your specific finances, how much you should contribute. But most of y'all, whoever you bank with, go make a bank appointment and speak with a financial planner at the bank and ask them, do they have the opportunity for you to set up the kids up my account through the bank that you use? That's my preference because it's very easy to just go and transfer the money over. Like, for example, let's say that you have like a Bank of America account. If you use Bank of America for your day-to-day banking, Merrill, or they might call it Merrill Lynch sometimes, they might call it Merrill Edge, you know, sometimes, but that's like the investing side of Bank of America. So basically your investments are under Bank of America. So if you have your day-to-day banking, you can literally go into your personal account and transfer that payment over to your child's, you know, UTMA account and do the investments from there. So first and foremost is making sure that your child's are set up with an UTMA account. That was the very first account that we opened up for our son. The second account that we opened up for our son is a 529 account. Now the 529 account does have a little bit more rules than the UPMA account. The 529 account is supposed to specifically be for tuition for college, right? So the 529 account does also compound really, really well. Another thing with the 529 account is that depending on who you set up your 529 account with, you might not be able to kind of have control over the investments the way that you have control over the investments with like a UPMA account. But for me, I don't really mind that only because it's kind of like a lot of work to like manage like the different investments. So I'm managing like the brokerage accounts that me and my husband have set up. I'm managing the ones that we have set up for our son. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Y'all can take this and y'all can go and manage this, especially since I'm like, I don't even know if my kid is going to go to college. A lot of people will just open up the 529 account. But what if your child doesn't want to go to college? That's why that first account that we talked about is so important and so powerful as well. Now, one of the things that I love about a 529 account is depending on the state that you live in, there are a lot of tax incentives for having a 529 account for your children. Another secret that I'm going to put y'all on with, some people don't set up 529 accounts because they feel like, well, if I set up a 529 account, This is going to impact when my child does want to go to college and they want to do like a FAFSA application and that's going to impact how much money they get. Here's the secret. The 529s now have laws about grandparent funded accounts. So imagine if the grandparents have a 529 account set up that they're contributing to, that now cannot be considered as income on the FAFSA. So now they have all this income from their 529 account that's not even considered on their financial aid application. I'm telling y'all, we got to be eating from multiple bags, y'all. Set these kids up is so easy. Like I said, depending on what state you're in, there are major tax benefits to having a 529 account. Maryland is my home state. Maryland has amazing tax benefits for setting your kids up. I believe it's up to like $2,500 or something that you can get as a credit on your taxes from contributing a certain amount. 
So, you know, I live in the state of Texas and in Texas, we don't have any state income tax. So they're not giving, you know, a bunch of like incentive and things like that when you already don't have a state income tax that you're paying. But if you're in a state like Maryland, I believe Pennsylvania also has like amazing tax benefits for a 529. But just ask your accountant, look into it and know like everything that is available. Also, pick the best bank to set up the 529 account at. It it might not even necessarily have to be at a bank. Sometimes it's different funds. I know in the state of Maryland, I believe that it's one that T. Rowe Price has that will enable you to set up a 529 account for your kids and get those tax incentives. But y'all, I'm telling y'all, it's so many benefits to it. And I know some of y'all might be listening and asking a question, well, what if I set up a 529 account for my child I invest all this money into the 529 account. And then my child is like, um, no, I don't want to go to college. Does all that money go to waste? No, it does not. What you can do, you have two options. Let's say you have multiple children. You can make someone else, another child, the beneficiary of that account. And all those funds would transfer to them. Or your child can still cash out the accounts. However, if it is not used towards college funds, it will be a penalty. I believe it's like a 10% penalty on the account. I don't know if that varies state by state. So that's also something that, you know, you want to check into with your accountant, but that is basically how it works with the 529 account. Another thing with the 529 account, and this is like a new development as well, some of them allow you to also take out the funds and use for like private school tuition. So imagine wanting to send your child to an amazing private school for high school, but you're like, man, I don't want to spend this money. We're about to be having to pay for college. You can literally take out some of that money from the 529 and put that towards their tuition, even for like high school or whatever else. I also believe that the 529 can cover some of the expenses that are associated with school. So like the books and, you know, things like that. It doesn't all have to go towards you know, your tuition. So the 529, that's the second account that we have set up for our son. Now for number three, this isn't necessarily an account, but this is a tax strategy that we've put in place for ourselves and also for our son, you know, for his benefit as well. One of the best things that you can do when you are raising supernaturally paid children and you have a business is put those babies on payroll. Now, let me tell y'all again, disclaimer, make sure that you talk to your accountant about this. I don't want y'all going and putting them on payroll and paying them $50,000, you know, and getting in trouble with the IRS. And I also want you to talk to your accountant about this because there is a strategy. There's a proper strategy that you need to take to make sure that you're getting the tax incentives from doing this. There are certain loopholes and, you know, things like that. And I'm not going to get into that on this podcast, but Go and talk to your accountant about it. They have all the answers about that. But putting them on payroll is a tax strategy for you, but also it's a great benefit for them because if they are on payroll and they are earning income, guess what they can have? They can have a Roth IRA account. So our son is on our payroll. Now, let me just put this out there. You want to make the payroll realistic. My son is two years old. You cannot say, because the government is going to want to know, well, what are they doing? Like, it's just like a real job description. I can't be out here saying, 
My son sweeps floors and he runs errands. How is he doing that? He's two years old. He doesn't do that. So his role is that he is basically a model in our marketing campaigns. For my business, Paid at Home Moms, he's in my photos. For my other businesses, he's in the photos. The business that my husband and I are getting ready to launch, he's going to be in the photos with that. So if a random person, you know, from an agency called and said, hey, we want Hunter to be a model in these photos, they would pay him, right? So it's the same way with his parents' businesses. He gets paid, but he can't be out here getting paid you know, something like $500 a week because you're trying to have this as a tax write-off. And then he only then did one photo shoot for you last year. It's not realistic. It has to be a structure. And this is why I said you got to talk to your accountant about it and really see the best strategy that works. Because if you have, let's say, a 15, 16-year-old child They can be sweeping, they can be calling people, they can be shipping packages, they can be doing so many different things to really help, you know, within the business. So you want to make sure that you talk to your accountant about the best strategy that's going to really work with that for your business. So that was step number three. Now, number four, like I said, once they are on payroll, they can start having retirement accounts. Again, talk to your accountant to see which strategy is going to be the best for your family. I am not an accountant. I am not a financial planner. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But that's something that really helps to set them up because can you imagine what your retirement account would look like if you started investing in your retirement at two years old? Now, I know the stipulation is that you can't invest more than you're making. So if you have a two-year-old and let's say that you know, they get paid $100 or something like that for every photo shoot. You can't be out here putting $500 a month into, you know, their Roth account or something like that. So again, this is why you just want to make sure that you're talking to your accountant and you're really figuring out what is going to be, you know, the best policy. So last but not least, you can set up a brokerage account for your child. Now, this is something that I have not done yet for our son. And I only haven't done it because I've recently started trading like day trading and options trading, but I've had stocks for a little bit longer than that. But since I just got more into like the day trading and the options trading, I didn't really feel comfortable just yet opening up a trading account for him because I'm like, you know, let me kind of like figure this out you know, on my own or whatever, but you can absolutely trade, you know, on behalf of your children, especially since they're already making income. Now I'm not out here putting, you know, $20,000, you know, in his brokerage account or something like that, but he can have that account as well. Like y'all, there are so many options. Even if you listen to this episode and you're like, Raven, this is a lot. You know, I know I gave a lot of information. Even if you just walk away and say, I'm only just going to open up one of the accounts, just please do something. Please don't have your kids out here the way that we were, having our handout, being in all this debt, feeling like we are so far behind our peers because our parents didn't know to set up certain accounts for us and put these things in place. After this episode, there is no way that you can say that you don't know how to raise a supernaturally paid child. So cheers to raising supernaturally paid children as we become and continue to be supernaturally paid 
ourselves. Thank y'all so much for listening to another episode of the Supernaturally Paid Podcast, and I will see y'all next time. Thank y'all for listening to another episode of Supernaturally Paid. Do not forget to subscribe. We don't want y'all to miss out on any amazing content that we have to offer. And also don't forget to hit the link in the show notes so that you can get your free God Pays Me Masterclass. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.